Morning, everyone. Let, let's pray together. Father, just thank you for this opportunity to be together. Lord, thank you for that we can listen to stories like that and uh, encourage each other and build each other up. Lord, I pray that you would do that by your word just now. Lord, thank you for the body of Christ here at Westchester. And Lord, we just ask that by your spirit you would teach us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, Christianity is a, a way of life, not simply a school of thought. The Apostle Paul was well acquainted and completely convinced of that. If you would, open your Bibles to the book of Romans. We're going to kind of look at a particular phrase here, but uh, the book of Romans is a great illustration how Paul was convinced of that. Chapters 1 through 11, profound theology. Uh, There's all this right thinking there. There's this right understanding. Chapters 1 through 11, a careful outline of the Christian school of thought. But the Apostle Paul didn't end with that. It didn't stop there. Chapters 12 through 16 are the practical application of all that theology. Chapters 12 through 16 are how to live out Christian truth, and Christian theology in everyday life. So if you would, turn to chapter 12 of Romans. And verse 1 of chapter 12 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters. And what he's saying there is, in light of everything that we've just looked at, in chapters 1 through 11, all this great theology and right thinking and this deep, deep thoughts, he says, now in light of that, what are we to do? And he says, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, and just please note, not just your mind, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. What a great phrase that is. A living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice. Not just a once for all kind of giving it all up. No, a living sacrifice that's daily, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then the rest of Romans shows us ways to do that very thing. Ways to live and present our bodies as living sacrifices. Last week, Pastor Chuck took verses 3 through 8 of Romans 12. And one of the ways we present our bodies as living sacrifices is by using our gifts, using the spiritual gifts God has given us, and serving the fellowship that way. And then here in Romans 12, the rest of Romans 12 is verses 9 through 21. And I I was assigned verses 9 through 21. And uh, Paul outlines this incredible list of of traits or marks of a Christian. And, you know, have you ever wondered what God is trying to produce in your life? Have you ever wondered, you know, as you're just living in Jesus and the, the days unfold, the years, what is God, how is God trying to shape you? Well, there are some passages that I have turned to in my life that have really helped me. One of them is out of the Sermon on the Mount uh, in Matthew 5, verses 2 through 12, when Jesus outlined the Beatitudes. That's something that I've turned to, and I've said, Lord, I want to see these things created in me by your Spirit. 
I've also turned to Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, which are the fruit of the Spirit. These nine fruit of the Spirit that if the Holy Spirit is in us, then these nine characteristics are going to come out of us. And I've said, Lord, please, would you produce these things in me by your grace, by your mercy. I've also turned to Matthew 12, verses 9 through 21. These marks of a true Christian. That's what the heading is in my Bible. Maybe that's what yours is too. Verses 9 through 20. Just a list. Paul outlines an incredible list of marks, traits, things that God is wanting to produce in us as followers of Jesus. Well, I was going to go quick, go, go through those, kind of outline all of those. But for the sake of time, I'm not going to do that. Instead, we're going to focus in on one phrase in those verses. We're going to look at six words. It's in Romans 12, verse 10, the first part of verse 10. And our, our series, this, this, the series that we're in right now is um, Belonging in the Body. And my sermon, the ser- title for my sermon is Loves Mutually. Would you look at these six words in Romans 10? Where it says, love one another with brotherly affection. We're going to look at those six words today. I say, Lord, we want this. This is one of the traits of a follower of Jesus. Is this, if this is part of what the, all this great theology, all this wonderful truth of, of Romans 1 through 11, by the mercy of God, Lord, would you build this into us? The Apostle Paul says this, love one another with brotherly affection. Take out the outline, if you will. Fill in some notes. Let's see what God has to say to us. First of all, from the words used in this phrase, we love each other as a family. As a family. Paul uses two words in this phrase for love. And neither word is the word we often think of, that word agape, agape kind of love. That's how Jesus loved us, that sacrificial kind of love. Paul didn't use that word in either one of the two words that he uses. He used the Greek word phileo, which means brotherly love, like Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. That's one of the words he uses. The other word that he uses in this phrase is a combination word of the word phileo and the word for um, natural family love. So the love between family members. And so this, that kind of love that's steady and there's long affection and there's deep bonds. He uses these two words for love, lovingly loving And they really emphasize this idea as family, brotherly affection, and a brotherly kind of love that brothers and sisters and family members have within a a family unit. That's the kind of love we are to have for each other. So as a family. And we might look at that and say, okay, we got that. The family of God. We get it. Oh, we sing about that. We get that. We understand that. But I want to say, could, could we just pause for a little bit and, and ponder that? We're to love as a family loves each other. 
I think we need to ponder that and ask the question, are we doing that as a church, as the body of Christ here at Westchester? You know, I have a brother. His, his name was Dan. He's two years older than me. I spent my growing up years being called Dan because he always kind of led the way for me and everybody just assumed I was him. In fact, I'm still called Dan by many people who've never met my brother and, uh, for some reason. Uh, but when Linda and I left Minneapolis as newlyweds, my brother and I have never been able to, to, to be with each other very often. But the moment we are together, in one instant, there's oneness. There's this family affection, this bond that we have. It's like we've never been apart, even if we haven't seen each other for years with my brother Dan. And we have this mutual and this truly, true interest in each other and each other's children. And we want to know how, how, how the family's doing and how the health is and how our spiritual lives are. I mean, it just happens immediately. Now, I know God has blessed us with, with good um, sibling relationships with my brother and my two sisters. And I know that's not always true. But I think around this room, we do know there's something different about family, right? There's, there's a family bond. There's, there's family blood. And it just makes a oneness, this, this tight, tight oneness within the family unit. And Paul is saying, we as brothers and sisters in Christ are to have that same kind of family bond between us as believers in Jesus. And so could we more and more see each other as the true spiritual family that we are? We are all part of God's eternal family. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. By the grace of God and by the movement of the Spirit, something has happened inside of us, and we've been transformed, we've been converted, we've been made new, and we've been made all part of God's family together. Oh, we must let this take hold, and it must make a difference. This congregation isn't just a group of people who gather to sing worship songs and listen to a sermon or a lesson and then serve together in some important way. It's more than that. We are family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And as one of your pastors, I look out at Westchester and I say, well done with this, Westchester. I think we do get this. I really do. Just this week, As one of your pastors, I was able to witness you caring for each other and coming alongside of each other. I saw just this week the church in action with giving meals to people who are in need and and people being willing to share that way or of visiting other people within the church in the hospital. I saw that lived out this week. I love that. I stand before you and I say, I, I think we're, we're doing really well at this as a church body. 
And then I also say, can we do it better? Can we take even more steps in this? Can we see God unfold this even more? So we really are experiencing that, that we're loving each other as a family loves each other. Now we're going to move on with some other, uh, looking at these six words. But before we progress, can I, can I say just a couple of things that are it's really important? Today we're focusing on this lovingly loving each other right here at Westchester. It's really important for us to remember that this family bond goes beyond Westchester's doors. Westchester doesn't have a corner on the market of the family of God. There are other believers in other churches and in other cultures and in other lands. We have Highland Park just across the town here. And and, and this love, this family bond goes beyond the doors of Westchester to include all of God's people. But today we're looking at, at this body right here. And I think it's also important that Jesus tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And in fact, in 1 Thessalonians 3.12, it says, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. And so, yes, it's true that we are also to to love the neighbor across the street, the the person where you live, those neighbors across the street that don't know Jesus, we're to be loving there as well. But today we're focusing right here in this body of Christ. So first of all, from the words we learn to love as a family, from the tenses of these words Paul uses, we love each other, secondly, obediently. Romans 12.10, these six words, love one another with brotherly affection. The tenses of these words... This is a command. It's not optional. It's not just something for the mature. It's not just something that comes later and then you have to pick this up. It's not based on feelings or attraction. It's not based on personality or circumstances. No, it's based on the fact that we are family. Listen as I read from 1 John chapter 5. Verse 1 says this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. Sometimes we can kind of miss that. But if we love the Father, then we've been born of God. And 1 John 5, 1 says... And whoever loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. That's each other. There's more here. Uh, Going up a few verses in chapter 4. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is certainly a command. This is coming straight from the Lord, straight from the word, and straight from the mouth of Jesus. Over in John 13, 
Verses 34 and 35, Jesus here in the upper room discourse, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We're to love obediently. It's not based on whether others love us first. We are to love each other obediently. Oh, how this could solve many problems and issues in the church at large today. If people would just know we're to love each other. We've been commanded to do that. Not if somebody loves me first. I'm just supposed to love other people. Nobody loves me in the church. Nobody has been kind to me in the church. I went to church and nobody spoke to me. We, we lift up these excuses. I don't have to because other people haven't loved me first. Folks, do we understand what Paul is saying to us here? It doesn't matter. You're not worried about who does or doesn't speak to you. What you're concerned about is how can you love and serve someone else? I recently visited um, Milt Onan. And for you who don't know Milt, he's one of Westchester's heroes. He's now 90 years old and he's declining. Um, he's a shut-in with his wife, Bunny, and they're living in um, Vintage Hills in Ankeny. But for many, many years, Milt was a leader here. He was a, an elder. He was an, an, a long-term ABF teacher, adult Bible fellowship teacher. He was a song leader, and there was times he led us in singing. Well, when I was sitting with Milt, I I knew I was going to preach on this passage of Scripture, and I asked him, I said, Milt, how do we love people like that in the church? How, How would you teach this? And this is what Milt said. First of all, he said, by going beyond mere etiquette. Isn't that, that's very insightful. It's not just coming to go, well, how are you doing? And we ask that question, and you know what? We don't really need to know the answer. It's just more politeness, right? We come alongside of each other, and we're friendly because we're supposed to be friendly. It's etiquette. It's what you do when you gather with a group of people. But as a church, can we go beyond mere etiquette and truly step into each other's lives and love and serve? As a family, those are good words. The, the second thing that Milt said is by, he said, by using an old word. I said, what do you mean? He said, the old word cherish. Cherish, he said. Cherish people. The people that you're sitting next to, the people in this, in this room right now, do we cherish each other? And to cherish means noting the value of something, and so you treat it with honor and love and affection. That leads right to my third point. As a family, that's how we're to love each other. Obediently, that's how we're to love each other. And and thirdly, from the repetition of the particular words used in this phrase, 
Remember Paul used two words for love, and it's not the word agape love, it's this word for brotherly love and a combination word of brotherly and this natural family love. From the use of those, repetition of those two words, I believe we learn that we're to love each other with resilience. Like a family. The resilience of a family. You know, the church is one place on earth where it should be possible to trust one another's love and loyalty without being hurt. It should be a place like that. Sadly, that's not true, isn't it? And all the stories that I've heard, not so much from Westchester, but from my days, the stories that I have heard of how Christians hurt each other. And now, brothers and sisters in the Christ, we can, in, in the church, we can hurt each other. We can hurt each other deeply. Augustine, the early church father of the 300s A.D., he wrote this, It shouldn't surprise you that sinners don't live up to this vision. But you you yourselves strive to make sure the church is a place, at least with you, where love and loyalty can be experienced in such a way that people are saved. With resilience. You know, what do we do when we fail at loving each other in this way? What do we do when, when, when that takes place? When we hurt each other. And make sure you note that I said when that happens, not if it happens. It does happen. Well, uh, the first thing we are to do, and I, this isn't any great revelation, the first thing we must do when that takes place is for us to say, I'm sorry, Right? And to apologize. And to ask for forgiveness. There's no great earth-shaking thing with that, right? It's just so natural. It seems just the natural thing to do. But why don't we do that? You know, the world has watched the church wrong and sin against each other too much. The world has watched the church and then just shrugged their shoulders and oh, they're just the same as everyone else. Oh, that the world would see a living church displaying Christ's love and truly loving each other obediently and as a family and with resilience. And when we wrong each other, we say we're sorry. And we ask for forgiveness from each other. And there's more. There's not only asking for forgiveness. Forgiveness must be given. And and that's the harder part. Do we have a forgiving spirit to each other as brothers and sisters in Jesus? I believe that's what Paul is calling us to when we examine these words and the, the context and the tenses and the repetition. He's calling us to that as the body of God of Christ. Well, Lord, help us. Love with resilience. Forgiving each other over the long years. Forgiving each other when it's easy. Forgiving each other when it's hard, when it's costly. 
because we all make mistakes. We are fallen. We are quirky. We're hard to love. We're all selfish, and we need to love each other as a family and to be willing to forgive each other when we fail. Well, here's my conclusion this morning. Milt Onan used this old word, cherish. Knowing the value of something, you value it, and you honor it, and you love it at all cost. Listen to this story. Gary Smalley, who's a Christian speaker and writer, he talks and writes about the, the need for love within the body of Christ. And Smalley, he uses an illustration that I'd like to use. He was a musician as a young person, and he had this broken-down violin. The neck of the violin was hanging from the bass. Can you imagine it? Not only the strings were holding the two pieces together. And Smalley handed the violin to the audience and asked them to look at it. And there was nothing extraordinary about the broken-down instrument. And as the violin was being passed around, Smalley remarked, Oh, don't forget to look inside of the base of the violin where you'll see the name of the maker, some guy by the name of Stradivarius. At the sound of this name, the audience collectively gasped. Oh, this is a Stradivarius violin. Smalley called attention to the gasp and said, When we see the members of our fellowship, we should see stamped on their lives a fellow member of God's family. And we should see that in each other. And if we don't gasp, at least we should recognize that and love each other for who we are as brothers and sisters in Jesus. Where does God want to apply this in your life? By God's help, by the mercies of God, by his grace. Maybe for you that's coming to church with a a, a different mindset. Coming to church not with, well, what can I get today? Instead, what can I give today? Or maybe by God's help, that means stepping towards others in the fellowship, purposely, with great intention, stepping towards other brothers and sisters in Jesus to love and to serve. How does God want to apply this in your life? Maybe it's as simple as, you know, one way that we express love to each other is by listening to each other. Maybe one of the applications, Lord, I just need to listen more. I need to be able to listen to what people are saying rather than always wanting to talk. Well, I appeal to you. As it says in Romans 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, And one way to do that is by loving one another with brotherly affection. By lovingly loving each other. 
as the family of God here at Westchester. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture. Lord, I pray that you would use it in our lives. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for what you've done at Westchester. Thank you for the depth of love that is here. Lord, we just ask for more. We ask that your spirit would move in us more and more to your glory and to your praise that we would love each other, that we do that as living sacrifices in light of all that you've done for us and because of what you've done for us and by what you've done for us, by your grace and by your mercy, do this in our lives. In Christ's name I pray, amen.